Welcome, you are listening to Unlocking the Truth, the podcast channel by Precept Ministries Canada. Come discover God's truth for yourself by studying His Word and deepen a personal transformational relationship with God. This series called In Faith Alone will get you deep into the Book of Romans. Dig deeper by following along with the Bible study, Experiencing the Power of Life-Changing Faith, the new inductive study series on Romans, available at preceptministries.ca. Now here is Mark Sheldrake with Unlocking the Truth. Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here, and this is another episode of Unlocking the Truth podcast. We're working our way through the book of Romans. This is episode three in our 16 episode series on Romans. We're doing this in four parts, just in case you need a reminder. We're going to take two segments, and we're gonna those will take till June. Then we'll take the summer off, and we'll come back and we'll do segments three and four. Uh, in the fall. So glad that you are participating with us. Those of you who have picked up the new inductive study series called Experiencing the Power of Life-Changing Faith, that 13-week Bible study should engage you in the book of Romans uh, doing um, inductive study, observe, interpret, and apply. And then if you're studying through that book, this podcast should just supplement what you are already learning in that series. Hey, if you're doing the in and out or the precept upon precept series in Romans as well, man, oh man, I'm sure you are enjoying uh, your Bible studies. Keep up the great work, get into the word for yourself and see what God has for you uh, throughout your daily study. Want to... To remind you that we do have in-person training happening all across the country, and uh, you can be a part of that training uh, by visiting our website, preceptministries.ca, and click on the events link. And most importantly, everything we're doing in the Book of Romans, uh, I've been doing some writing for the ministry in our newsletters, as well as our... um, Uh, magazine that we put out um, four times a year. If you're not on our mailing list, uh, sign up for our mailing list and you can get these teachings uh, written in Romans because we're all heading to one point. We're all heading into September where our goal is to cross Canada and with the Cross Canada Tour. And so I'm hoping to hit every single province in the country for at least one training session uh, over about a week and a half, uh, maybe two weeks, And we are going to look at two key topics in that Cross Canada Tour. Uh, We are going to start with the plumb line of truth. And we're going to look at God's Word and what does God's Word have to say about its own inerrancy or its infallibility, that it is without error and it is the truth that we can count on in a world that is so focused on what people are making as their own truth. So if we don't have the plumb line and straight line of truth, which is God's word, as that guiding line anymore, and we make up our own truth, how do we know what is really true? And so we're going to look at that, and then we are going to dive into Romans 5 together, and we're going to learn about the doctrine of sin, and how can we engage others in the conversation around uh, God's Word being truth, uh, the doctrine of sin, being born with sin, inherited sin, and our desperate need 
uh, for Jesus as a Savior. And so all of this is coming together in the Cross Canada Tour. And if you are interested in hosting one of these uh, Cross Canada Tour events, please reach out to us at training at preceptministries.ca and find out more information uh, very soon. All right, one more announcement for you, and if you could just add this to your prayer list, it would be great. Pray for Precept as we are heading to Israel March 13th to March 28th for our our yearly Israel tour, and we've got a bus full of Canadians who are going to be joining us, and I believe that this podcast is going to be launching right in the midst of our Israel tour, and we're praying for safety in travel, of course, as well as uh, the avoidance of any COVID-19 within our group, but most importantly, that God would be moving through His Word as people begin to see uh, the the truths of God's Word come alive as we teach uh, in the Holy Land. And I cannot wait to dive into the Word of God with our participants and uh, really looking forward to that. If you ever want to join us on the Israel Tour, check out our website because we'll be going again in 2024. Uh, more details coming soon on that. Let me pray, and let's dive into this week's uh, podcast. Father, we do thank you for uh, the time that we've given. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to to engage in this way, for us to to look at your word verse by verse and to uh, better understand this book of Romans and, this, and the desire that Paul had for his people uh, that he was writing to at the time to, to understand the truth about you and your son, Jesus. So, Lord, we commit our time to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me walk you through uh, where we've been so far. We're in this, of course, episode three. So first episode, we looked at the overview in the entire book of Romans and the reason for writing. One of the main reasons for writing, Paul wanted the people to be established in the word. And how better to establish people is to really uh, give them the doctrine and build the doctrine around so that they could properly learn to live uh, by faith in uh, Jesus Christ, not by the works that they've accomplished, but by living by faith. And as as Paul does that, he's going to lay out his his whole argument of how the righteous shall live by faith. And then as we come to those final chapters, he's going to then show us how to live out the truth of the doctrine that he has taught. And so uh, in the last episode, we looked at the gospel specifically and we also looked at some, some key words within the gospel. We looked at power and salvation and righteousness, but we also looked at the problem of sin. And so we saw that in Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 18, and that segment is going to run all the way to chapter 3, verse 20, uh, is all about the problem of sin. We learned that God hates sin and that we are going to now see uh, that God uh, will judge sin. But what we want to look at is that Paul, as he was addressing in chapter 1, verses 18 to 32, he was addressing his main audience of those who he ministered to on a regular basis. And chapter 1 tells us that he was called and to minister to the Gentiles. And so in chapter 1, uh, verses 18 to 32, Paul addressing the Gentiles, and he's saying, you Gentiles, you are without excuse 
because God has made himself evident through creation. That not only has he made himself evident through creation, we also learn that he, we, he is evident in our conscience. We know uh, the difference between right and wrong. And so because of these things, uh, men are without excuse. They don't know uh, that they're not sinning. And so they know now that God is who he is. And then in chapter 2, he's then going to begin to address the other group of people this letter is written to. But first, let's just look at the chapter 2 and the summary that comes out of this, and that is in 18 to 32 is summarized into the first two verses of chapter 2. Therefore, you have no excuse. Every one of you who passes judgment for in which you judge another, you condemn yourself for you who... uh, you who judge practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice these things. Oh, man. So just think about this. What Paul is saying in these verses is he's saying that there are people that are in the world that are looking and saying, well, you know what? Those people over there on the right, they're committing some really horrible sins. And those people are uh, judging those sins and saying, well, let me give it to you in this picture. Um, You are judging others even though I am causing sin. It's hypocrisy. Uh, Verses 1 and 2 are all about hypocrisy. I'm better than you because I don't commit those sins. We see that played out in the Gospel of Luke uh, when the Jewish Pharisees They were the ones who would commit sin, but then they would judge others. In uh, Luke chapter 18, uh, they talk about, I tell you this, you know, that at least I'm not behaving like that person over there. Uh, The two, the Pharisee was looking, well, that's not me. I don't do that. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even I'm not like that tax collector. Oh, I'm so good. I'm so right. And, and judging others. And we, we, we see this in the world today. And I remember having a document called the 50 Fruits of Pride. And in the 50 Fruits of Pride, it was like one of the, one of the signs that you had a heart of pride was that you listened to a sermon and you said, oh man, somebody else needs to hear this sermon because that's what they're doing. <laughs> Wait a second. Isn't that kind of what we're looking here? You know, we, we, we're not one to be able to pass judgment on others. Uh, I once saw a phenomenal example of having a speck in your own eye and trying to take out the other speck was uh, David Arthur was teaching on this and he had a big railway tie and he had that on his shoulder and he he said, here, come here, let me take out the speck on your eye. Let me help you get rid of the sin that you have. But wait a minute, this big this big railway tie is getting in my way of doing that because we, we need to look inward before we begin to even think about judging other people. And so uh, what he's going to draw, Paul's going to draw off here, is he's going to begin to look at uh, the Jewish people. And he's going to address them and say, 
oh, oh, you, you think that you are okay in the eyes of God because you're God's chosen people, but you're about to realize a reality that maybe has not sunk in for you as uh, an individual. All right, so let's look at these first five verses again. Let me read them to you. Therefore, you have no excuse. Every one of you who passes judgment for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things, and we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. All right, so we can ask, what are these things? Well, if you drop back into chapter 1, we, we see that fall. We see that fall of not acknowledging God, and not acknowledging Him leads to uh, a futile mind, and they fall into speculations. They exchange the glory of God, the incorruptible God, for a corruptible man and idols, and they're turned over to the lusts of their flesh, and they turned over to their degrading passions, and then what leads to an undepraved mind, which leads to all of these listed sins and all of this unrighteousness and all of these things that really are worthy of death. And so as Paul is walking through, he says, uh, you're without excuse. It doesn't matter whether you're Jewish. Okay, it's wrong for you to commit these sins if you're Jewish. But if you're Gentile, you're without excuse too, because God has made himself evident since since creation. And in all of these things, he says in verse 2, we know the judgment of God uh, rightly falls on those who practice unrighteousness. And so there's a couple of things that we will see as we walk through these verses, but God's judgment is on men, and it is on unrighteous men, and it is based on God's truth, and it is not based on hearsay. It's not based on gossip. His judgment is not based on our own opinions of what we believe or our evaluations of ourselves. It is according to God who is truth. Uh, one, one scholar said that someone has said we hate our own faults, especially when we see them in others. How easy is it for people today, as in Paul's day, to condemn others, yet have the very same sin in our own lives? And so what we need to understand from verse 2, and if, you, if you're not driving and you're at home and you've got your Bible open in front of you, you want to write in the margin of the Bible or in your paper, you want to write that God is righteous and he is true. And so I want to draw you to some cross-references that so prove that God is right and he is true. All right, and so we want to look at Psalm uh, 96, verse 13. So in Psalm 96, verse 13, listen to what uh, it has to tell us. Psalm 96, verse 13. Before the Lord, uh, for he is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. All right, so God is right. God is 
true. Uh, let's look at Psalm 145. And in Psalm 145, verse 17, uh, listen to what the author writes here of, of David. What he writes, he says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. Are you, are you picking up what the Bible is laying down? That God is righteous. Okay, so he is right. He is truth. Let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 45, verse 19. And in verse 45, 19 of Isaiah, it says, I have spoken in secret in some dark land. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, seek me in a waste place. I, the Lord, speak righteousness, declaring the things that are upright. And so what we can understand from chapter 2 of Romans is that when God's judgment rightly falls on those who practice unrighteousness, we know that God is righteous and he is true. And this is what the judgment is based on. It's based on God's view and not my own view. Just think of that quote from the scholar. It's easier to point the finger at somebody else to judge them for what they are doing wrong when we already have the sin within us. And we might think, oh, that sin isn't as bad as the other person's sin. Well, I didn't murder anyone. I only told a lie. But this is the difference, is that it's by God's view that this judgment falls on the unrighteous. And so we can see in the world that we're living in today, there are two excuses that are still used to this day when it comes to God's true righteous judgment. And the first excuse is this. He says, the person says, I'm better than others, so I don't need Jesus. Uh, the number of times that I have I've heard people say, well, I'm a good person. Well, yes, in your view of your opinion of yourself, you may be a good person. You may do all the things right in the world. You may go and feed the homeless and take care of those who are in need. You may love your neighbor as though they are yourself. You may love things greater than yourself. You may do all of these things within your, your life that people look at you and they describe you as a good person. But when God looks at you, God sees that you don't have Jesus. And therefore, because you don't have Jesus, you're unrighteous and you are heading for judgment. That's one thing that we need to understand, that God will judge the unrighteous. And so we see that right from the beginning in Romans chapter 1, that the righteous shall live by faith in Jesus Christ. The second excuse that we see is that God has been good to me, so he won't condemn me. Another interesting thing is I can keep on living the way that I am living because I've seen blessings in my life. He's not going to condemn and judge me. I'm doing all of the right things. But if you remember back and you were listening with us in the Revelation uh, Churches podcast, you will remember that God doesn't do an external look. All right. He, he does an internal look. He looks at our heart. 
and he looks at what forms and shapes our heart. Is it our love for Jesus that has formed and shaped the actions that we then have that come out of our lives? You see, at the center of all this, it is Jesus. It is Jesus who transforms us and has caused us to walk and live in righteousness. It's not my opinion of what I think is right and good. God will look at the heart, and he will see how we are living and determine whether we are righteous or unrighteous. Praise the Lord for Jesus, who is our mediator. When we have him, we have been transformed, which we will continue to look at because that's Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, that when, when the blood of Christ washes over me, I have been saved, and by faith I am saved, and now I live by faith. The important thing to remember in, in verses uh, chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, is this is God's final judgment will not be according to men's opinions and evaluations of themselves. God's final judgment will be based on truth. It will be based on his truth. In the second section of chapter 2, uh, we're going to see uh, as the, the, the next topic that comes through, and that is going to be that uh, judgment is based on our actions. And so let's look at verses uh, 6 and on. Well, let's, let's bring in the rest of chapter uh, the 1 to 5. He says, But you, do you suppose, O men, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will not escape judgment? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteousness of God. Do you see it? Do you see what we're talking about? Is that God's judgment falls on the unrighteous and that God is going to look at the heart. And look at how Paul describes the Jewish people, the, the, the finger pointers, the one who, who say, well, I'm better than you. I am doing all of these things. And my opinion says that God won't condemn me. He says, uh, you, are stub you have a stubborn and unrepentant heart. And because you have this heart that has not been transformed by Jesus, you are storing up wrath for yourself. Now look what he says, verse 5, but you, because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Righteous, right judgment of God, who will render to each person according to their deeds. To those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life. <laughs> do you see it right there? Do you see do you see the difference that there's still a hope that comes in chapter 2. It's not all that fire and brimstone of God is going to judge you if you don't have Jesus, 
because what he's saying here is, of course, men are without excuse. They know that the the way to salvation is through Jesus Christ. It's living by faith and living in faith. All right, so faith to faith. And so what he tells us is that God is going to judge according to his deeds. He's going to look at our hearts. And when he looks at our hearts, he's going to see two things. One, he will see people who are striving to persevere in doing good, in pleasing God with their lives and bringing glory to him by the way that they live. Uh, When they're seeking for glory and honor, not for their own glory and honor, but seeking to to glorify God and honor him in all of their actions, uh, the results of this will be immortality and eternal life. That's what comes at the end of the judgment. It's completely different. Verse 8, But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath and indignation is headed their way. Do you see the difference? Do you see what's happening here? There, there, there's a difference in the heart of the two people. There are those who, who have received Jesus, who have believed Jesus, and now are living by faith in a way to bring glory and honor to them. Those who will receive immortality and eternal life, but those who live the selfish life for themselves— Remember the excuses, I'm better than others, I don't know Jesus, God has been good to me so he won't condemn me. Uh, These things, he's telling us, that uh, when we obey unrighteousness, wrath and indignation are headed our way. Wow. These are completely opposites. And this is something that we need to uh, really pay attention to as we work through these details. Look at verse 9. He tells us, uh, There will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also the Greek. You see, this chapter is sort of one of those uh, really punches in the face. And, and the reason that it is a, a punch in the face is because when we're focusing here, we're focusing on God's chosen people. We're focusing on a legacy of people that go all the way back to Abraham and the forefathers who, who you were chosen by God, you were in covenant with God, And God has blessed you because of that. The promise that God gave in Genesis to Abraham that we will look at in just a few short episodes is an everlasting covenant that God would be for his people. And so why not? Why wouldn't the Jews think that they were better than the Gentiles? We we are the people of covenant, that God is for us, that God is going to take care of us and he's going to bless us and he's going to give us the land. But here, the slap in the face is that God comes against all unrighteousness, both Jew and Greek. And so just as the Gentiles were without excuse in chapter one, 
So the Jews are without excuse in chapter 2. All are without excuse. All know God hates sin. Everyone knows that God will judge sin and that God will take care of those who are unrighteous. That tribulation and distress is for everyone who does evil, not just the Greek. Verse 11 comes that, comes that verse that we've all heard before. For there is no partiality with God. Why? Because God is not looking at the external and saying, hey, that person is a Gentile over there. Oh, that person there, they, they've been circumcised in the covenant that I made with, with Abraham. And so therefore, by their circumcision, they are Jews and therefore all is okay. No, 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 no. God is looking at the heart. And when he looks at the heart, he even sees that the intentions of the people and why they are doing the things that they do. Again, write down, if you, if you have the opportunity, write down Isaiah chapter 56 to 60. If you want to uh, take the time to read through Isaiah 56 to 60, you will see that God is going to call out Israel uh, based on their treatment of the Sabbath. That as they treat the Sabbath with wrong intentions, God calls them out and will judge them because they made the Sabbath all about themselves. And then in Isaiah chapter 58, God goes back and he calls out the Israelites again and he calls them out for not fasting in a proper way. That this, this thing of fasting to, to really understand the, the importance of and bring closer to God and reliance on God through fasting, they were doing it with evil intentions and personal intentions in mind. And God looked at their hearts and said, you are profaning the Sabbath and you are not doing fasting well. And therefore, because you are doing these things incorrectly by your heart and your own personal selfish ambitions, you are going to be judged. Again, God looks at the heart. And he's going to look at all of the deeds that we have accomplished. And you know what? On the outside, some of the deeds that we do, they do look good and right. And they are done with the best intentions. But are they done because of the fruit of your love for God coming out and exploding out of your life? And are you doing them to glorify God or are you doing these things for your own selfish ambitions? Remember what David said in the Psalms, search my heart, O God. And that's what he's doing. He's searching the heart. There's no partiality with God. Judgment falls on those who are unrighteous both Jew and Gentile. Verse 12 says, For all have sinned without the law, will also perish without the law. 
and all have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. It's not the hearers of the law who are just before God, but it is the doers of the law that will be justified. It's very interesting to to look at this, and we we got to bring in verse fourteen because he says, "For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, um, these not having the law are a law to themselves." He's pointing out that there is a difference between the Jew and the Gentile, and that is that the Jew, the Jew had the law, that the Jew. Because they had the law, they knew what the standard was for approaching a holy God. They knew what the standard was for righteousness in keeping the law. But the Gentiles did not know the law. They didn't have the law. But remember, in in the conscience, we know that in the conscience we do know right and wrong. And that's what Paul's saying here is that instinctively, without even knowing the law or having the law before them, they were keeping the law. Maybe we just all know and on some level that thou shalt not murder is a thing to not do. To take another person's life, we, we know that there is something wrong with that. Uh, those who... Those who are of the world, uh, they know that, and so do those who, who know the law and know the commandments of God's word. So, so Paul's seeing even though the Gentiles didn't know the truth, they still kept the truth. They did it by instinct. These are things that look good, and maybe they have uh, listing out kind of some of the the traits that maybe they did instinctively. Uh, Maybe they were honest and they were compassionate to others. They were good. All of these things, they they did good deeds within their community. Well, we see that today. But then those who are of the law, those are the ones who... They knew in which the way God had called them to live. Historically, the Jews, they they committed to keeping the covenant of the law. When Moses laid it out for them, they knew the difference of right and wrong in the eyes of God. Verse 14, For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, Uh, These, not having the law, are the law to themselves, in that they show the work of the law written on their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. On the day, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. See what we're laying down here? The secrets of men what's going on internally versus what everybody else sees externally. That's what God's going to base his judgment on. It's whether Christ has, has made the ultimate sacrifice for you and washed away the sins and is now mediating for you on, on, to the Father. 
or whether you're still living in the unrighteousness. But that unrighteousness is, well, I'm doing good stuff. I'm a good person. It's whether you have Jesus or you don't have Jesus. Verse 17, but if you bear the name Jew and reply on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are essential being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of foolish, a teacher of the immature, having the law, the embodiment of knowledge of truth, you therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself who preaches that the one shall not steal, do you? You say that one should not commit adultery, do you? Commit adultery? You who abhor evil, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law through your breaking the law, do you dishonor God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, just as it is written. It's amazing what Paul is doing here in these verses. He's, he's calling out that every man will be, be judged about based on their sin. That's, that's one key point. So uh, judgment is going to occur according to the truth of God's word and according to God's truth. Judgment is going to be based on an individual's deeds. And then the final point that Paul makes is that judgment is going to be based on the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's twice now in, the, in chapter 2 that, that Paul has mentioned a day of judgment for unrepentant people. In verse 5, he says, uh, righteous judgment of God. And then in verse 16, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men. It's that God is going to judge in these things. And what Paul is calling out here is he is calling out the Jew who is very arrogant and boastful in two things. First, that they are boastful in the fact that they, by their race, by who they are, in God's chosen people, he's, they are proud of that. That God would never condemn us because we are his chosen people. He also calls them out for boasting in the religious privileges that they have because they had the law. Because God gave them his word. They knew the will of God. And they looked at the Gentiles as a blinded group of people who lived in the dark, people who were foolish and really didn't know the truth. You are a guide to the blind, he says, a light to those who are in darkness. You see, what these Jewish people were doing in the church is these Jewish people were pointing the fingers at the Gentiles and they were telling them that they were unrighteous people because of the way they were living and yet in the same sense, they were committing some of the same sins that the Gentiles were committing. Hypocrites. You see, what Paul is calling out here is that what, what he is calling us to is much more than just a religion, but it is a heart transfer, 
transformation that creates relationship with God. And judgment is going to come according to the gospel. It's because the gospel, it demands from us, as we will continue to see through the book of Romans, it demands from us change. It demands that we are no longer like we were before living in Christ. And so we, we see that as Paul lays this out, he's, he's calling both Jew and Gentile to change, and most importantly, Jewish people here. You've got to change. You've got to be a different person You can't continue to do what you were doing before when you were just following the law. Look what he says to close out chapter 2. For indeed, circumcision is of value if you practice the law, but if you are a transgressor of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. If the uncircumcised man keeps the requirements of the law, will not the uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? And he who is physically circumcised, if he keeps the law, he will not judge you, though having the letter of the law and circumcision are a transgressor of the law. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward of the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, And circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. And praise is not from men, but from God. What in the world is Paul saying there? What is he telling us? Well, I'm a simple person, and I like simple truths. Whatever is going on on the outside... God is not looking for a physical circumcision to determine where you stand in light of God's judgment. God is looking to see that the heart has been changed. You see, the whole point of this entire letter is that the righteous will live by faith. That the righteous will live in light of the gospel truth that it is the power of God for salvation. That in the act of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, that you and I have life. It's not according to the law. We're going to learn over the next number of weeks that the law does not sanctify us. The law does not help us to become more like Jesus, but the law does serve a purpose. But we know that it is only through faith in Jesus Christ that we are transformed. And as God lays out in Romans chapter 2 for us, He's looking at the heart. He's looking for that transformation that truly says you are a child of God. 
It's got nothing to do with the deeds. The deeds don't save us, but we will be judged according to our deeds. So deeds do play an important part in our ministry, but we will unpack that in the coming weeks. But God is not looking at the external. He's looking on the inside. And when he comes to judge, he's going to judge according to his truth. Why? Because he is right. He is true. And he is just. It's not my opinion and it's not your opinion of the way that we live our lives. God knows. And he judges based on that. He will judge according to our deeds. And then he will judge whether our hearts have been transformed by Jesus Christ. Has the gospel changed us? Has the gospel had such an effect in our lives that we have moved from a position of being unrighteous and headed for wrath to being moved to a position of being a child of God? There's much to think about as we, we depart and close out episode three. But if there's anyone out here and they're, they're listening to this podcast and they may be wondering, am I truly saved? Does my life reflect that of a life transformed by Jesus? Well, I would challenge you this week and coming into the next episode of the podcast to read 1 John and look at all the symbols, put a K over every reference to the word no. K-N-O-W. And then make a list on everything you know and you see from that word. And you will have a summary of a number of statements that will so prove whether you are a child of God or not. And I promise that we will unpack that even within the book of Romans in our second segment of this series. But for those who, who have Jesus in their lives, are you living in light of the fact that you are a light to others? The greatest killer in the church is hypocrisy. Living one way and telling somebody else to live that way while you live in sin. Pray. Seek the Lord. By the power of the Holy Spirit, may he show you the hypocrisy that may be in your life. Be a shining light in a very dark place. Speak the truth. Don't be afraid. Have courage. Why? Because God is going to judge on truth. Can you see why we want to take the Cross Canada tour all over the country and talk about the inerrancy and infallibility of the Word of God because it is truth. It's what God will judge by because He is righteous and true and just. And we have a responsibility to share these truths with others 
so that they can escape the wrath that is coming to those who are unrighteous. God shows no partiality. All men are without excuse. They know judgment is coming. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. This is the truth that Paul wants the Romans to know. It is the gospel that saves. It's not your deeds. It's not the law. Only Jesus. Father, we thank you for this time that we have again, Lord. We pray for those listening to this podcast. May you continue to work in their hearts throughout the week. Speak to them about what we have been discussing today. Show them whether there's hypocrisy in their lives or, Lord, even if there is somebody who has yet to profess Jesus as Lord and Savior. May this be the opportunity for them to recognize the sin in their own lives. Maybe they've been doing all the things right. Maybe they've been doing all of the good, but, but it's with a different intention of that which comes from a love for God and for your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray for transformation in our country. I pray that people's hearts would be returned to you. I pray that people would be completely transformed to live in a way that brings glory and honor to you. That there would be no desire of selfish ambition, but only to please you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We appreciate you in joining us in this series of Unlocking the Truth with Preset Ministries Canada. Visit our website presetministries.ca to find in-person and online studies and workshops that will further your journey in His Word and give you the tools to know God deeply and live differently.